We're in the book of Romans chapter 8. I want to begin in verse 5 and, and then go ahead and read. Thank you, Daniel. Go ahead and read through um, all the way through verse 17. Although we won't cover near that amount, but I always like to get some context here. It says in verse 5 of Romans chapter 8, for those who are in accord, I'm reading from the New American, Stan, uh, New American Standard 2020 edition. For those who are in accord with the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who are in accord with the spirit, the things of the spirit. For the mind set on the flesh is death. But the mind set on the spirit is life and peace because the mind set on the flesh is hostile toward God. For it does not subject itself to the law of God, for it is not even able to do so. And those who are in the flesh cannot please God. However, you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if indeed the spirit of God dwells in you. But if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. If Christ is in you, Though the body is dead because of sin, yet the spirit is alive because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give, your, give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. So then, brothers and sisters, we are not under obligation not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. Excuse me, let me read that again. So then, brothers and sisters, we are under obligation not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you are going to die. But if by the Spirit you are putting to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons and daughters of God. For you have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again, but you have received a spirit of adoption as sons and daughters by which we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, heirs also, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him so that we may also be glorified with him. So, Father, we ask that you would speak to our hearts this morning as we look into this word, as we consider that which you have for us. So, Lord, we, we pray that you'd fill us with your spirit, that we would be receptors of your voice. Fill me, Lord, with your spirit that you may speak through me. Lord, help us to, all to glean from this passage and to be ministered to you and by you. And Lord, that our response might be an act of worship to you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. It's been probably over a month that, that I was telling you that as we're going through the book of Romans that we were getting past the place of heavy lifting. 
and we're not there yet. Um, this is this is a lot of heavy lifting that what we're looking at, and that's why we're also going through this on Wednesday nights, just to get a better um, sense of what Paul is talking about. So I read to you a pretty long passage. I'm only going to extract two concepts this morning. As I thought about this, um, although one of the things that that really struck me, and and of course I ended up misreading it to you, you know, as I had to go back, that in, in verse 12 it says, "Therefore, brethren, we are debtors," or it says, "Therefore, brothers and sisters, we are under obligation, not to the flesh to live according to the flesh, for if you live according to the flesh." you are going to die. So our obligation is if we live, uh, if by the Spirit we put to death the deeds of the body, we will live. So it is, see this is where the line gets very thin. This is where the line gets really thin. Let me explain. In and of my own will, I cannot put to death the deeds of my own body. I don't want to. We don't want to. What we can do is appropriate the power of the Holy Spirit to allow him to do that for us. And so our part is a willingness of surrender daily to the Spirit to be in a place where we walk in His Spirit. And I'm going to get into this idea of walking in a minute. All right? And so our part is to put ourselves in a place of surrender. You see, Paul explained this differently in the book of Galatians, and I've I've shared this with you before, but in in the book of Galatians chapter 2, Paul says that I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. So he's crucified with Christ. What does that mean? He's dead. All right? But nevertheless, I live. And the life that I now live in the flesh, in this body, I live by faith in the Son of God who died and gave himself for me. So the life that we now live We live it according to faith. And we live it in such a way that hopefully pleases God. I had this message all ironed out. I felt like, I felt really good about it last night. I woke up this morning, I'm going, oh no. And and, and think of all the the, the potholes, if you will, or the, the, the troubled areas. I want to talk this morning about pleasing God. Now, If you leave here feeling bad about yourself because you don't please God enough, then we've missed the point. Because as as I look at this passage, because it tells us in verse 8, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Now, do I want to please God? Some of you nodded your head. Some of you, if you're honest, will say, well, most of the time, right? Hopefully, well, let's not go there, all right? Yes, we all, I think we all want to please God. 
do we always please God? No, we don't. However, just as we put to death the deeds of the flesh, or the new King James, or the King James says to mortify the deeds of the flesh, just as we need the appropriation of the power of the Holy Spirit, in other words, just uh, we have to submit to his power, we have to submit to allowing him to do this, we don't do it on our own, so it is with a life that pleases God, it is a life of submission to him. We submit ourselves to him. Because it, it, it's interesting because when, when we stand before God, what are we looking to hear? It's in the Bible. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Okay, what does well done imply? It implies that God is pleased with us. You ever think about that? It implies that God is pleased with us. And boy, I, I want to hear that more, more than anything else. And, 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 and then the second thing I want to hear is I'm, I'm not put in the pastor section of heaven. That'll, that'll be just wonderful for me. But anyway. But we, we talk about God. And, 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 and consider this this morning an invitation to a subtle shift in our focus of how we relate to God. Because some people I'm afraid, of course nobody here, it's my last church, but some people I'm afraid, they, they look at God as the genie in the bottle. Who gives you what? Three wishes. And then the third wish, of course, is give me three more, right? Or we, we think of God... as our butler or our errand boy or our physician. Now, he is a great physician, is he not? Yes. And we, we come to him with our issues and our problems and our difficulties and our trials. Are we supposed to? Yes. Don't stop doing that, Okay. But I think at times we get so locked into this idea. And I, I was even thinking of some worship songs that are, to me they're just terrible. Uh, they're almost narcissistic. Okay. They, they, really, they really say very little about the glory of God, about the wonder of God, about the majesty of God, about how great God is. And it's all about what God does for me. God has saved each and every one of us who have received him as Lord and Savior. He has saved us from hell. My goodness, that would be enough in and of itself, would it not? Because I don't know about you, but I don't really deserve to go to heaven, okay? But do we please him? It says those who are in the flesh cannot please God. And how much consideration do we give to, to pleasing him? I've, I've been reading more and listening more about prayer communities. I st I'm still not convinced we pray enough. Uh, and, and about prayer communities. And, and you know what most of these prayer communities that I'm reading about, and of course you don't know because you haven't read what I've read. Okay, maybe you have. But anyway, you know what they are, how they are praying most of the time? 
They do what we just did earlier this morning. They pray God's word back to him. And prayer is about spending time with God. Prayer is about communion with God. And what better way to express our communion with God than through his word? Now, do we, should we ask? You have not because you ask not. Isn't that true? Or you ask amiss that you might consume it on your own lusts. So yes, we still, we still have intercessory prayer. We still have petitionary prayer. In other words, we petition God for the things that we want or we need or we think we need, right? And, and what's interesting about praying for, to God for certain needs that sometimes when I realize that I really I hate it, it's like I realize I really don't need them after all, right? And God is trying to tell me, Mike, you don't really need that. Okay, can we just erase the last however long I've been praying for this thing, you know? And, 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 and yet part of that is communion. Part of prayer is listening. Listening. When we began this morning, what did we do? We entered into prayer. What is the first thing that I did this morning? I sat in silence for a while. I'm listening. I'm listening to God. And, and, and to be, to, to, to subtly shift our thinking, our approach to God, and yes, he is our loving father, and yes, he wants to give you the, 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 the keys to the kingdom, and yes, he wants to bless you, and yes, he wants to care for you, and yes, he is taking care of you, and, and no, don't stop praying those, those requests that we have from him. Continue to do that, but let's take it up a notch, and let's have our prayer life be such that Hopefully, it is pleasing to the Lord. It's what I'm trying to do in a lot of my prayer life. And then at the end of the day, I do intercessory prayer. And I throw out people's names. And I ask God to touch them and move upon them. And I remember some of you. And I throw your name out. And, and there are times I'm praying for some people, and I have no idea why I'm praying for them. But I don't need to know. God's commanded us to pray. He'll take care of the rest. And, and again, this idea of praying the, the, the Bible back to God and spending this time in prayer, it is in the context of prayer that God moves. See, I would rather have any ministry that we do from this body, I would rather it be birthed in prayer than in a committee. Now, it can be birthed in prayer, and yeah, you can turn it over to a group of people and say, here, run with this. By the way, keep praying, but run with this, all right? I, I'm not saying committees are wrong. I'm, I'm saying the thing is, and I, I love what he said. I didn't agree with all his theology, but a guy named John Wimber, some of you know who he is, and some of you will see me later if you want. And again, I didn't agree with everything he said, but one of the things that he said that just captivated me was he said, don't ask God to bless anything that you're doing. Find out what God is doing and go bless that. Good, some of you are still thinking about it because it took me a while. Because if I spend time with God in prayer, he will reveal his own heart, his own desires, his own plans, that which he wants me to be involved in, and therefore blessing. 
So do we consider what it means to please God? Colossians chapter 1 verse 10. It says that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. That sounds like a full-time Christian to me. That we're to walk worthy of God. You know, and so I started thinking about this word walk. I found some interesting thing. I had a good study the last couple of days, particularly yesterday. Um, one of the first, well, the very first usage of the word walking is about Enoch, when Enoch walked with God. But it actually goes back even further than that because it said that God walked in the garden in the cool of the day. God Genesis chapter 3. And they heard the sound of God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. What did they do? Do you remember the story in Genesis 3? That's a hint. They hid. Why? Because they had not pleased God by their disobedience. But it tells us in Genesis 5 about Enoch. Enoch is an, we're going to spend a little time with this this morning. All right? Genesis 5. In, in Genesis 5, verse 22. So, it's interesting because these genealogies that were given in the Bible, they've got some nuggets in them. They've got some wonderful truths that are given to us in it. Genesis 5, verse 22, it says that after, uh, I'll say, go back to 21, a little bit of context. Enoch lived 65 years and he begat Methuselah. Okay, we're not, I'm going to bother to get into Methuselah today, okay? So that's, that's, not, that's not, I know some of you are like, well, tell me about the key. We're not going there. Guy lived longer than anybody else. All right. It says, after, verse 22, he begot Methuselah, Enoch walked with God 300 years, and he had sons and daughters. Notice it said he walked with God for 300 years, and he had sons and daughters. I spent the last two days with my grandkids. <laughs> Enough said. Okay, you guys relate, okay? Sometimes it's being around little kids is kind of hard to walk with God. Anyway, no, I didn't say that, but anyway. But he had sons and daughters, and he walked with God for 300 years. And then it tells us that Enoch walked with God. It repeats that in verse 24. It says, so all the days, verse 23 of Enoch, were 365 years. And Enoch walked with God, verse 24, and he was not, for God took him. Okay? Enoch walked with God for 365 years, and then he was not, for God took him. That word in the Hebrew means he was translated. In other words, he was caught up into heaven. Um, still haven't figured that one out. Okay, I've been working on that one for a long time. I know some of you think you got it figured out, but that's great. Maybe you do, okay. But nonetheless, for some reason, Enoch walks with God 365 years. And then God takes him. Okay, what does that mean? Why did that happen? So I went into the Hebrew. Sort of helped. This word walked is the, the, the Hebrew word halak. If you want to spell it in the English, it's H-A-W-L-A-K. That's one of the 
spellings for it, okay? But it refers to a manner of life. I remember back in the Jesus movement, uh, some of you guys were around then, right? And you'd run into somebody and they'd be like, well, how's your walk, man? You know, and it's just, can you speak English? But anyway, you know, um, and I was in the midst of all that, but it drove me crazy at times. But, but anyway, it was, it, this word walk refers to a manner of life. It tells us also about Enoch in Hebrews 11. I'll just read it to you. I have it in front of me. It says, by faith, Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death and was not found because God had taken him. And then it says, for before he was taken, he had a testimony that he pleased God. Hmm. Interesting. He had a testimony that he pleased God. And then the writer of the book of Hebrews in the next verse is Hebrews eleven six. He says, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. Enoch was taken away, so he did not see death. God took him, because before he was taken, he had a testimony. He had a story. He had a, a, a place where he was testifying of the goodness of God, and it said that he pleased God. And so we're told that without faith, it is impossible to please God. So, Enoch pleased God. Okay, I'm going to get, we're going to get a little deeper in this just a second, so stay with me. It tells us in Genesis, Enoch walked with God. The book of Hebrews says to us that he walked with God, meaning his manner of life was pleasing to God. Okay? Okay, it gets even better, all right? Enoch walked with God. And it's also said of Noah. I'm just going to throw this in for extra credit, right? Noah, uh, Genesis 6, verse 9, Noah was a just man. In other words, he was a righteous man. Perfect in his generations. A just man, perfect in his generations. It says Noah walked with God. Solomon uses the same term the same word when he is describing David in 1 Kings chapter 3 verse 6 and he said my ser- your servant David my father because he walked before you in truth in righteousness and in uprightness of heart with you truth righteousness uprightness of heart or excuse me uprightness of heart Which is fascinating to me because Paul is really building his case here when we go back to Romans chapter 7 verse 12 when he said, so then the law is holy and the commandment is holy, righteous, and good. You see, again, what Paul has declared earlier in the book of Romans is foundational to what he is declaring here in verse uh, chapter 8. So, this fascinates me because this idea of walking, 
Now, we came into town Friday morning. Not really early, but we had the grandkids with us, and Mary had to do something. So I walked around town with them. And, you know, so, you know, they, they want to be entertained, right? You know the deal, right? You know grandkids, they always want to be entertained. So we walked around, and I took them different places and showed them different things, but we tried to turn it into a journey. We're walking around the town, trying to make it fun. Now, a journey, our life is a journey. It has uphills, which I don't particularly care for. It has downhills. It has headwinds and tailwinds. Sometimes the road is very smooth. Sometimes the road is very rough. But again, take this back. Tie this together. Follow me in my thinking. God is coming to look for his wayward children whom he already knows have sinned in Genesis 3, and he walks in the garden in the cool of the day looking for them. This idea of walking with God strongly implies this idea of journeying together with him and communing with him in our life, in our manner of life. Okay, it gets better, all right? So I went to the Septuagint. Septuagint, Greek translation of the Old Testament. I wanted to see what Greek word was used here in Genesis chapter 5 when it talked about Enoch walking with God. And it was translated. Now remember, the Septuagint is the Bible that Jesus used, essentially. Now, of course, he wrote it, okay? It's also the Bible that Paul used. What's fascinating to me was when I looked in Genesis chapter 5, verse 22, verse 24, and also Genesis chapter 6, verse 9, it translates the Greek word halak into the, I said Greek, I meant Hebrew, okay? All right, everybody with me? Hopefully, because it's my fault if you're not, all right? The Hebrew word halak is translated into the Greek word euaresto, euaresto which means to be well-pleasing. Now, I don't know why they translated walking with well, uh, uh, the word uh, translated walking or manner of life into well-pleasing. So they're reading into the scripture, but I think it's a good translation. And, and the, uh, again, Hebrews 11 does back this up, does it not? That says that, that, that Enoch walked with God because he had a testimony that he was pleasing to God. And Enoch was well-pleasing to God. And therefore, for some reason, somehow, in some fashion, God took him. God translated him. God brought him into his home. And, and, and so I, I'm not... <laughs> I'm not saying that if you live a life that's pleasing to God that you're going to get translated. Okay, some of you believe you're going to get raptured, and that's, that's fine. But, but, um, but don't miss the intimacy of the closeness here. Don't miss that. 
all the way back into Genesis 3 where God is walking in the cool of the day looking for his way, wayward children. But here with Enoch, he's the first person in the Bible that says he walked with God, by the way. Enoch walked with God. He had this incredible relationship with him. That was well-pleasing. It is not... It is not being in a place that we gain greater favor with God. Please don't understand that or misunderstand that. I'm not encouraging you to please God so therefore God will be happier with you and so you'll become his favorite kid. And therefore bless you more. And therefore you get more of what you want. I've already told a few people, I remember years ago, that I was God's favorite. And it didn't go over real well with them. But anyway, but, but, but the, don't, you know, then, then, you're, then, then you're asking amiss, as James says that you might consume it upon your own lust. But can you bring yourself to the place that you desire to please God simply because you love him and because of who he is? And because how you want to honor him. Now, for me, I got saved really early in life. I became a Christian when I was eight. So that was 20 years ago, right? And so, anyway, um, time flies when you're having fun. But, and, and I truly believe I was born again when I was eight years old. But, but, but I was also an eight-year-old. And even worse, when I after eight, I became nine. And then I became a teenager. Um, you can fill in your own blanks on that one. So I had a lot of growing up and struggling to do. I think as we all do when we become Christians. And I had to... I, I, I remember one time just, just being confronted with this idea that, and this incredible question in my own heart was I was wondering, do I even love God? Do I even love God? I thought, I don't know. I don't know. I thought, well, what should I do about it? Try to get saved again? Well, that doesn't work, not theologically anyway. But you know what? You know what I came up with? This worked for me, all right? Two things. First and foremost, I prayed, Lord, help me to love you. Lord, help me to please you. Lord, help me to even have the desire to please you. And, and, and I submitted myself to that. And one day I woke up, maybe. It feels like one day I woke up and I was like, all of a sudden I realized I love God. And then I actually wanted to please him. Now, can I love God more? Yeah, I could. Can you love God more? Yeah, you could. But I say this with utmost respect. He, he'll take what you give him. 
And there are days I love him more than others, all right? And reality is, he will take what you give him because he loves us so much. And I thank God that God loves me that much because if God did not love me that much, then I would be in a world of hurt. Make sense? Of course it does. Again, it's that dependency upon the Holy Spirit to put to death the deeds of the flesh that through the Spirit I might live. And when I get involved in in that, it really just becomes one big battle between me and God. So I took verse 8 of chapter 8 of Romans and I flipped it around. Instead of talking about being in the flesh, what I've just talked to you guys about, about, about is about being in the spirit. And being in a place where we, lead, we, where we are pleasing to God. Because I think it ties in, and I'm almost out of time, and I wish I had another hour. It almost ties in Really, to me, it it capstones, if you will, in verse 14 of chapter 8. For all who are being led by the Spirit of God are the, these are sons and daughters of God. And I, I, I looked up this word led, being led in the Greek, and it refers to being accompanied to a place. I found that to be fascinating. It doesn't, it, it doesn't really, the, the word does not, does not really refer to God sticking a ring in your nose and tying a, a rope to the ring and dragging you somewhere or leading you. It means he accompanies you. It's almost like a shoulder-to-shoulder type of thing as you are walking side by side. Now, God can get out the, uh, Psalm, I think it's Psalm 27 talks about this. Don't be like uh, the, I think it's, don't be like the, I think it's the donkey that needs to be led by the bridle and the bit. But God wants to lead you with his eye. And, and so, those who are led, those who are accompanied to a place, these are the sons and daughters of God. Psalm 143.10, I love this. It says, teach me to do your will, for you are my God. Your spirit is good. Lead me in the land of uprightness or goodness. Takes us back to the commandment, is holy, righteous, and good. In, in chapter 7. And so there is this dependency that we have to have upon the Holy Spirit. That's the obligation in verse 12 that I've rarely touched on this morning. Or in verse 12 in the New King James where it says we are debtors. That is the debt that we have toward God is the being a place of willing submission to the Holy Spirit. Teach me to do your will for you are my God, Psalm 143. And then Colossians chapter, chapter 1 verses 9 and 10. It says, for this reason also, since the day we heard it, we do not cease to pray for you 
and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. So he's praying that they would be filled with the knowledge of his will. In other words, they would be able to see the leading of the Holy Spirit in a direction. The knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Because there is a lot of noise out there, is there not? There's a lot of noise out there. There's a lot of things. I'm meddling. I shouldn't. I'm going to, to a degree. There are times I just wish some of you would just set your mind on things above, not on the things of this earth. How's that? I'll just say it and just leave it. But Colossians 1.10 tells us that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. I'm going to read that again, Colossians 1.10, that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. We increase in the knowledge of God in many ways. We do it by reading his word. I think that's the foundation of that knowledge of God as we read his word. But we also increase in his knowledge in our time of prayer with him. That's why I think praying in the, the Bible is so important. But we also increase in the knowledge of God by participating in the things that he has led us into, in the ministries that he has led us into, in the service to others that he has led us into. And it is in the process of ministry that we get to see the working of the Holy Spirit up close and personal and therefore increase in our knowledge of God which motivates me, anyway, to walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, to try to be fruitful in every good work and increase in the knowledge of God. It's like a circle that, that comes, and, and it just gets bigger, and it feeds itself in, in a good way. For those who are being led of the Spirit of God, these are the sons and daughters of God. If we are led of his spirit, not only are we his children, but if we are led of his spirit, we are therefore then pleasing him. We're pleasing him. Now, I don't know about you, but I want God to be happy when he sees me stand before him. I don't want him in a bad mood, right? To have that kind of reciprocal relationship, because God has blessed us so much, hasn't he? I know some of you are going through some serious stuff right now, but even in spite of that, God has blessed us so much. And, and just for no other reason than because we love him. Let's live a life that's pleasing to him. Amen? Amen.